Welcome to the Inside Slant Podcast. Inside Slant Podcast. Brought to you by JayhawkSlant.com. Shay, where do you rank Bill Self's class? It's definitely one of the top 10 classes in the country. Bringing you all the latest info from the coaches, players, and recruits. Kirby, how big is this commitment? Well, he's the type of recruit that can change the whole class. For all of the latest KU news, analysis, and discussion, go online to JayhawkSlant.com. The online leader in recruiting and team coverage. Here's the staff from JayhawkSlant.com. Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Slant Podcast. We are coming to you with a special Thanksgiving Turkey Day or post-Turkey Day Black Friday edition of the Slant to gear you up for the final regular season game of the 2023 football year for the Kansas Jayhawks. We're also going to get into the Jayhawks performance at the Maui Invitational that just wrapped up minutes ago. Uh, maybe an hour ago now, Shea, Shea has been writing, going over everything from the game just as fast and furiously as possible. Uh, recapping what Bill Self had to say after the win over Tennessee, a game that really everybody expected to see as the championship game of the Maui Invitational as opposed to the third place game. He'll break it down. We're going to interrupt him, get his thoughts, and then let him get back to work to have everything ready for you guys on the site. We're also going to talk football coming off a brutal, and when I say brutal, I mean it was just tough. It was a really tough loss to take in the Sunflower Showdown to Kansas State, but Lance Leipold's program has an opportunity to end the year with eight wins in the regular season and the potential for a ninth with the second consecutive bowl game in his three years leading the Kansas Jayhawks. So still a ton to be excited about for Kansas football. We're going to hear from Jim Kelly, the color analyst for the University of Cincinnati Bearcats football team that will join us to tell us a little bit about his squad as we gear up for the regular season finale in Cincinnati on Saturday. We'll give our predictions about the matchups with the Bearcats. Then we'll hear from two names that Kansas football fans, if you don't already know them, you should. In commits Deshaun Warner and Damani Maxson, who both attended KU's game against Kansas State last Saturday. We'll get to hear their thoughts and their impressions on where the program is right now. Before we go any further, I want to be sure and welcome our man, Shay Wildeboer, who's in the middle of writing everything to cover the finale of the Maui Invitational for the Kansas Jayhawks. Shay, how you doing, man? I know you're busy right now. Thank you for taking a few minutes to talk with us. Uh, no, man, I'm good. I'm catching a little break watching this Purdue Marquette game. So, yeah, it's good to be here. I'm ready for... Uh, I'm ready for uh, a little break tomorrow and uh, some turkey day and uh, yeah, a little maybe a little downtime. So yeah, it's it's a, it's good to be here for sure. You know, it was. I don't think anybody expected the outcome that we saw last night against Marquette, but obviously, a great way to rebound with a big win against a very good Tennessee program today. People have to be excited about that. Before we get into the basketball, though, let me go ahead and bring them in on the Kansas football beat. And the publisher of Jayhawk Slam, my good friend John Kirby. John, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good to be on with you guys, and just uh, 
talking talking Thanksgiving dinner with the family right before the podcast. Both my boys got home from KU, but both of nice. them walk in walk in, and the first thing they start talking about is, "Dad, man, that's totally BS. We had K State beat." <laughs> so <Ooh. laughs> they 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 well. both they both walked in the door saying the same thing at different times when they walked in. So it, it's it's good to have them home and talk talk a little football and and basketball and be back around the house and they'll make a bunch of noise and leave messes around the kitchen and leave the fridge leave your kitchen empty it empty leave the fridge door open everything <laughs> okay let's let's talk about something really important before we get into all this kansas stuff that people come here for i want to hear from both of you right now what is your choice number one pick for you know, I everybody's debating. There, it's become kind of fashionable to pick on turkey lately. So we're not going to talk about turkey versus ham or main dish. Give me your number one side dish at Thanksgiving, Shay Wildemore. What do you give me? Oh God, just one. One. I mean, obviously, the obvious one is 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 mashed potatoes. So I'm going to skip that one and I'll say cheesy corn. Love Ooh. Cheesy. Tell Love. me about it. now. I I have to say I am I am. I'm not a, I wouldn't call myself a hater, but I'm a cheesy corn denier. I don't get it. Tell me why cheesy corn. I don't know. That's a great question. I don't, there's just something about it. I don't know if it's the texture or the, I don't know, man, but listen, you get yourself some steaming hot cheesy corn and a fresh hot roll and you put it on top of it. And you, I mean, yeah, man, it's great. Listen, I went, uh, I went to a buddy's house the other night and they Mm -hmm. had, uh, like cheesy, like corn mixed inside of like, um, what am I trying to cornbread? Yes. 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 Like kind of like, like, like yes, yeah, kind of like um corn nuggets. And it was mm-hmm. like oh uh, the like I don't know what out of texture, I don't know if it what it is, but it, I can go for some cheesy corn for sure. See, I can do that. And I also like I love elotes, Mexican, you know, the corn with the cheese, the the street corn. I, I absolutely adore that. Cheesy corn though, like the runny cheese, I just eh, can't do it. Can't do it. Well, okay. Kirby. What is your number one draft choice in regards to Thanksgiving sides? Oh, man, I'll tell you. I probably have to go down to a couple. And by the way, you're asking this question. This is what Andy Kotelnicki asked everybody in the media room before he started his press conference on Tuesday. I did so, not know that. Yes. That's awesome. Andy Kotelnicki, he always comes in with a question for everybody. Um, That's cool. So, you know, Randy, it, uh, it's like a tournament. It's like a two-team tournament for me. It's either green bean casserole where you got some of those onion stuff on top of uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And I got to tell you, my wife makes fried cauliflower that I really? can just sit there and eat till I'm sick. So, you know what? I'm going to go with the fried cauliflower. I've never had that. Okay, so is it like, like is it like crunchy? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's crunchy. Really? It's got some taste. Loaded up with a little bit of salt and... uh I could knock out about half the whole serving she makes, and she gets mad because I'll I'll, I'll eat about five or six before anybody else even gets over to the house. Okay, now I am super intrigued about this fried cauliflower thing, as well as you know, Shay. I told you I'd had the nuggets before, like the bread with the 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 corn nuggets with the the cornbread with the the corn in it. Like I love that, but this I'm I'm very interested in both of these. Let me tell you, I am I'm a huge sweet potato guy. It doesn't matter what time of year, but at Thanksgiving, one of the first things that I learned uh, when my wife and I started dating, 
I did not realize that there were different ways of really doing sweet potatoes for Thanksgiving. Now, the only way that my mom and my grandmother had ever made sweet potatoes is you did the yams with the cinnamon sauce and the marshmallow fluff. And it was like it was almost like a casserole thing was awesome. But it was it was very much like the sauce was was thick and it was liquidy. Whereas the first time that I go to Thanksgiving with with my what would end up being my mother-in-law and my in-laws, my my wife's family, I'm sitting there and, and Debbie, Erica's mom, says, Brady, the sweet potatoes are right beside you. And I turn and I'm looking and I, I, I don't see any sweet potatoes. Where are the sweet potatoes? And she was like right there by your right hand. And I look and it is, it's a casserole dish, you know, the Pyrex casserole dish, the white with the little blue flowers that everybody had. Or no, that's Corningware, excuse me, Corningware. And there was like a crust on the top of it. I had never seen such a thing. My wife's family, Debbie is from Mississippi, and it had like pecans and almonds and cinnamon baked across the top of it. Yeah, that's some My, homemade stuff. That's that's like one oh, of them homemade menus that nobody shares or anything. Man, my my brain exploded. I was like, I was so mind blown by it that the first thing I had to do as soon as dinner was over, I had to call my mom and be like, Mom, are you aware of this? Because it's funny because my mom grew up in Alabama. And so it was really, I, I had been exposed to two different kinds of Southern cuisine. So now every year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I get sweet potatoes from both sides of the family. And it makes, it's very nice. It makes me very, very happy. So I am, I'm sweet potatoes over everything. There you go. That, that is that is my perspective on this. Okay, so now that we have talked about the important stuff, we can get to this, you know, this this KU stuff that people kind of listen to us for. Um, you know, before we get into the Maui Invitational with Shay, I wanted to take a minute to to talk a little bit about Black Friday. Everybody loves shopping on Black Friday, and we have a Black Friday special. Everybody's got sales. Jayhawk Slane has sales. We have a special. Jayhawk Slant at Rivals.com Black Friday special. It starts Thanksgiving night and will go through Sunday. Annual subscription, 75% off. That is an unbelievable deal. You have friends that are Kansas football and basketball friends, that fans, excuse me, people that you have told about the podcast, people that listen to the podcast that maybe don't know about the website. This is the time. There is no better time than right now. No better pricing all year long than you are going to find than the Rivals and Jayhawks Land Black Friday sale. 75% off annual subscription. Do not walk. Run to your smartphone. Sign up right now. So hmm. before we get into now we've now we've talked about the sales. We've talked about Thanksgiving side dishes. All right, Shay. So I'm going to give you the floor on this one. I know you're still covering post game. You're still writing, and you're taking a few minutes out of your out of out of what is a busy busy few hours for you right now to talk a little bit about this game. Tell us about the Maui Invitational. Jayhawks went two and one. I'm just going to give you the floor. Tell us about what you saw from this squad. Well, you know, the first game kind of played out the way I thought it would. Um, obviously, you know, Shamanad hasn't won a big game since I don't know how long. So, you know, I kind of expected Kansas to come out and take care of business. I, I knew that Marquette game would be tough. Um, I didn't expect them to come out and kind of bully Kansas mm-hmm. the way they did. And that, I mean, honestly, that's what they bullied Kansas. Um, you know, I think Kansas cut it to nine points in the second half, would get no closer, turn the ball over 18 times, 
And and here's the thing with the, I mean, struggled to shoot the ball again, struggle from the free throw line. Um, you know, if Hunter and uh, Kevin don't score, um, at least up to this point, it's it's kind of a struggle, even though they've got some other guys that can score. They looked totally sped up. I mean, totally sped up. Like they hadn't seen anything that Marquette had ever, um, you know, shown them before. And and to me, that was kind of, and I really figured the thing with Self and Kevin and, and Shaka would get the guys fired up. You know, I thought that that might turn it around. But listen, every time Kansas made even a little run, Marquette was there to answer. They just had no answer. I mean, you know, they're athletic. Um, you know, they can shoot. They can get to the basket. And they just, you know, they they had their way with Kansas. And, and, and I knew it would be tough, but I didn't expect to see that. Um, you know, I'd love to see those two teams play again in February or March or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and then, you know, you, I, I heard something earlier today. I heard, you know, Kansas played the night game last night, played this morning. It was the quickest turnaround for a team in the history of the Maui Invitational. So I'm thinking to myself, already knowing that Tennessee is going to be a hard game, you know, how is Kansas going to respond? To me, that's that, that's what I wanted to see. You come home, you go one and two. You know, you go from being the number one ranked team in America to, you know, for top 15 or what, top five, top 10, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, how do you respond? Nick Timberlake goes out. Um, you know, they still commit 15 turnovers. You know, they still struggle to hit from the free throw line. Um, you know, they were down, I think, seven with you know eight minutes or seven minutes to go you know tied at half and then you know the second half really you know they, they just made plays they continued to make play after play you know i've got i'm doing my story right now i think they held tennessee um for the game randy to 31 percent shooting from the field and 27 percent wow. from behind the arc out, wow. and, and you're right and the key is rebounding out rebounded at tennessee by um 45 to 35 um, you know, and to me, again, also a big thing was the bench. Uh, you know, you get seven points from Jamari McDowell, freshman, in 27 minutes. I think you get 15 total points from the bench. Um, you know, 17 and 20 from Hunter, 13 from KJ, uh, you know, 14 from Kevin. And, and let me say, listen, I love everything Kevin brings on both ends of the court. Um, you know, I'd have to go back and look, but I know, again, today, uh, seven, seven uh, turnovers. You know, that's something moving forward. That they're going to have to really take care of because a lot of these turnovers, Randy, are unforced turnovers. You know, they're just throwing the ball out of bounds or it's going off their knee or just whipping a ball around the, um, you know, the side of a defender with one hand or just really just not um, not being careful with the, or being careless with the basketball. And those are things that against maybe a, a Manhattan or a North Carolina Central you can get away from. But when you start playing the likes of, of Marquette and Tennessee and UConn and Indiana and Missouri and some of those other teams, all those teams are going to be ready to play. Um, so but here's the bottom line. Huge win today. Enormous. Mm -hmm. No Enormous. doubt. Like I was thinking last night, you know, what happens if they do and nothing's going to happen, but in your mind, you wonder, you know, how are they going to respond? You come home one and two, yes. um, you know, you've got some big games already coming up. Are you looking at four losses in the um, preseason or in the, um, you know, you know, the preseason? Uh, very little rest. You know, Nick Timberlake missed most of the game. Um, it was just one of those gut check games, you know, where the bench came up big when they needed to come up. Um, you know, still struggling with the free throws, still struggling to hit shots. But defensively, you know, they they put the clamps down on on Tennessee and, and came away with a huge nine-point win huge up by i think their biggest lead was 11 um they win by nine and just a, a huge way to cap off maui so 
you talked about, you know, how would they respond to something like this if they had lost that game and they had another bad outing. Obviously had a, a really strong performance, great bounce back to get today. How does this help in regards to building momentum? We all know that the conference season is the key, but what is the next step? How does how do they continue to to utilize this momentum as they go through go forward through the early season? I think the thing Kansas has to do is play like it's Kansas. I'm, you know, I heard a, a team, um, you know, after the Chiefs game, not to kind of uh, cr- cross talk here, but I t- heard someone say after the game that the people no longer fear the Chiefs. You know, Kansas Saw has that. to play. Kansas has to play Kansas basketball. You know, they got to go in expecting to win, expecting to be um, successful, dictating pace, playing the way they want to play, doing the things that they're capable of doing. And and when you get hit in the mouth, respond quickly. You know, they got down big against uh, Kentucky. What was it? 14 points. Got down big against Marquette um, and then got down big, obviously, against Tennessee. Not big, but, you know, seven, eight points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in two out of the three of those games, Kentucky and Tennessee, they responded. So when you play a team like Marquette, you're going to see a team – uh, maybe not in the Big 12, um, you know, but eventually, if you want to achieve your goals and end the season the way you want to, you're going to see a team like that again. So when you're not making shots, when the free throws aren't falling, you know, when you're turning the ball over, you got to make stops defensively. You know, you got to be able to um, to stop teams. You got to be able to make teams play at your pace, at your speed. Um, you know, play at the level that you're comfortable playing at. And um, you know, that, that, that's something that just Kansas is going to have to do. You know, in a few weeks they got. Uh, UConn coming up, they got Indiana coming up, they got Missouri coming up, they got the Big 12 slate coming up, and, and they need to kind of get back to playing with a little swagger and um, realizing what's across their chest. And I know that kind of sounds a little cheesy, but I mean that knowing you're Kansas, knowing you're you know one of the teams that ranks all times and wins, knowing you got the best coach in college basketball, knowing you got two or three of the top players in college basketball, I mean you need to go out and, and set the tone early and play. You know, Shay, it's funny. As you were saying that, I, I, one of my good friends one time, he summed it up and he said, sometimes you have to remember who TF you are. Right. And I think that's exactly what you've said about this program. They've got to remember that that is Kansas across the front of that jersey. Right. And that they are the number one team in the nation. Yes, they lost to Marquette. Win, again, win today against Tennessee. If they drop, they're not dropping far. As right. you said, continue to play like who – this program is expected to be this year, and I think they will they will continue the momentum coming off this win. Absolutely. But but I can't you know, Bill said it to end the game. I, I don't have the exact quote, but something to the effect of this could be a game where we look back in February and March and realize how big it really was. I mean, this is a huge game. I mean, huge. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. the the rest, the lack of bench, Timberlake being out, you know, having a freshman starting two guard, um, you know, you know, not playing well. Um, free, I mean, missed free throws and turnovers. So, yeah, huge, 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 huge win. Hopefully Kansas fans can cruise into Thanksgiving and enjoy this one and um, kind of just appreciate how tough it is to win in this in this league when you're playing top five, top ten teams every night. What you're saying is Kansas fans should be thankful. Right. Shay, you, you know what? what? We are thankful for everything you have brought us, everything you do for us year-round. Any – any what's, what's the – thing that maybe you are more most thankful for about this program that you have seen in Maui before you take your leave? I, I, th- I think today, just responding today, um, you know, you, you lose the game last night. You, you ba- I mean, I, Randy, when this, when, when KU lost last night, I wasn't for sure they had this in them, not simply mm-hmm. because they're not talented enough or because uh, they lack, they've got the best coach in college basketball. 
My, but it's like you said, could they rebound from it? Right, now? right. And you got to remember, I mean, uh, these guys are still getting used to playing with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, KJ starting uh, four man just lost his mom to cancer. You know, uh, Nick Timberlake is struggling shooting the basketball. You don't think he realizes that? You don't think that's in his mind? You know, Johnny Furphy just came over from, um, you know, a completely different world and is adjusting to this game. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, there there are uh, – Jamari McDowell's a freshman. Never played a minute of college basketball um, until four games ago. So, uh, you know, Parker Brown has, has been at two different spots and is getting accustomed to his role. So there's a lot going on here. Um, you know, what – what this team is now isn't what it's going to be in a couple months. So big win, huge day. Uh, you know, they, they'll be out in Maui, come home tomorrow. But, you know, th- this to me is one of those wins you'll look back on at the end of the season and be like, that was big. That's our man, Shea Wildeboer on the men's basketball beat. Shea, thank you very much for taking a few minutes after your post-game work to, to give us your thoughts on the game. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. We will talk with you soon. Happy Thanksgiving, fellas. Be safe. See you, man. That's Shea Wildeboer on the men's basketball beat with everything kind of recapping the Maui Invitational for Bill Self's Kansas basketball Jayhawks. Now we're going to switch gears. I'm going to bring in my man John Kirby on the Kansas football beat. You know, John, if if the Jayhawks just could have taken care of business, the Sunflower Showdown last Saturday, I mean, we we would have a completely different feeling right now. Yeah, Randy, you know, they always say, you hear every coach say this, that every close game can come down to two or three plays. And that's exactly how this thing played out. I mean, a play here, a play there, you know, and God, I know I know, Rich Miller's heard this, I'm sure, a hundred times and, and has read it on Twitter and whatever, but, and I'm certainly not singling him out, but I mean, he makes that play and he walks into the end zone. KU goes up 18 points. And I don't know. I don't know that K-State could come back from down 18 because they were not moving the ball. I mean, they weren't getting chunk yards against nope. KU. So, I mean, you know, it's just those those things. And in a game like that, you know, you just hope, you know, you could make one or two of those plays. But listen, here's the biggest takeaway for me in that game. People talk about the gap closing between the the two programs. The gap closed. Okay, I mean when you when you look at the if you didn't know anything about those teams, if you were a football person and you watched that game, you would leave that that game if you didn't know anything about those programs and teams were wearing jerseys that you didn't recognize. You would leave that and say, you know, two pretty even teams. Maybe KU looked a little better in the actual game of football. Okay, mm-hmm. K, KU held up physically. They which yes, which they I did. which I thought was going to be a problem, but they held up to K State physically. But man, you got to give Kansas State credit. Okay, they don't make mistakes. They wait for you to make them. And what happened? KU made them. It, it was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. Comes down to the last drive. I thought the defense played well for several spans in that game, and. Hey, listen, it's a tough loss, and, and it's a loss you look back on and you let it slip away, but it's also a loss that you look back on and you start showing people. You start telling recruits. You show to other people, hey, there ain't much difference between Kansas and Kansas State right now. So w- what the key is now, you don't let that loss become another loss or bother you as you look ahead to Cincinnati on Saturday. You know, the Jayhawks, like you said, they head to Cincinnati and 
to preview that, we've got a tremendous guest, Jim Kelly, the color analyst for Bearcats football, joins us now. He's going to give us his breakdown of the squad that he covers, talk with Kirby, and give us everything we need to know about Cincy. We are joined by Jim Kelly, who is the color analyst for the Cincinnati football team. He's going to give us a closer look at the Jayhawks' final regular season opponent. Jim, how you doing? Thanks for being on the podcast. I'm good, and thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. You know, this week we were up um, listening to the Kansas coaches and Lance Leipold and the defensive coordinator Brian Borland. They both said the first thing out of their mouth when they were asked about Cincinnati, they said they're better than their record. Just tell me what this program has done and been through in the first year with Satterfield. Yeah, and I think that's uh, fairly accurate what the what you know what the Lance Leipold said and the other coaches. Um, they show certainly some uh, growing pains in the fact that they lost a lot of guys when uh, when Luke Fickle decided to leave and head to Wisconsin. He took a number of different players with him with experience, as well as some guys went in another direction and left. So uh, Scott Satterfield was faced with having to raid the portal a little deeper than I think he would like to. Um, and, and with that came, you know, a lot of new starters and some growing pains that went along with it. And to, you know, in, in reference to what, you know, the Kansas coaches said, it's exactly right. There's been games where the Bearcats have moved up and down the field, and I mean just absolutely racked up big-time yardage on offense, but made a handful of mistakes that have doomed them. And the same things happened to them on the defensive side. They played very, very solid defense for let's just say 95 percent of the game but they'll give up a big play here and there um or things like that or maybe it's a special team mistake they've had a couple of those that have cost them big time so they're, they're very very close um in reference to um, knocking somebody off and you know and they were able to do that they were an underdog at houston they got their first big 12 win but it's also been a little bit of a learning experience and i think everybody knew it, it was coming the Big 12 is not the American Athletic Conference. Um, you know, top to bottom, it's very, very strong. And game after game after game, you know, you're running into big, strong, physical teams. In um, particularly, uh, this year seems to be a year where there's an incredible, incredible amount of good running backs in the league. And, um, you know, so, you know, it, it's hurt them a little bit. You know, I think Scott Satterfield has a very good pl very good plan on how he wants this thing to move forward. It is not by picking up 22, 25 guys in the portal. They'd like to grow it, you know, organically with their high school guys. At the same time, the guys that he's getting in his classes are, are very, very young. So you have to have some experience there. And they will rely on the portal. But I believe, you know, their goal is to maybe – you know, pick up 10, 12 guys this year as opposed to 22 what they picked up last year. But um, some of those guys turned out to be, uh, be be good players. And the one thing I do like about Scott Satterfield and his staff, they're good people and they are taking players that are uh, good guys as well. They've run into some guys that probably could have played, but they're there for that last year kind of, uh, excuse the term, mercenaries just looking for that last year before they, you know, maybe one more shot at the NFL and a, and a few bucks. Um, and uh, they've, they've told some of them no. So um, I, I like, you know, the direction of the team. 
obviously it's been a disappointing year. You know, I want to start with the offense. I, I, I know they've run the ball well, but just break down what they want to do offensively. Yeah, it starts with the run for sure. Um, if you look at what Scott Satterfield's done at both Appalachian State and Louisville, it's, it's, it's a little of both. Um, in the 2022 season, Louisville was the only team in the country um, that averaged over 200 yards through the air and 200 yards on the ground. Um, and the Bearcats are close to that this year. They are running the ball very, very well. And um, although West Virginia stopped them, uh, you know, stopped them in their tracks this past weekend, but all in all, they've run the ball pretty well. And it's been a combination. Um, you know, uh, Corey Kiner is the leading rusher. He's a local kid. He was an LSU, played down there for a couple of years. When Brian Kelly went in there, he decided to come back home. And um, he's done really well. He's about 50, I think 55, 59 yards away from 1,000 this year. But they've also played running back by committee. So Ryan uh, Montgomery, who's a fifth-year guy, started here a bunch of years ago, has been dinged up, but has had a, a decent year. Emory Jones, the quarterback, um, has, uh, has roughly 500 yards as well on the ground. So, and then Miles Montgomery is their third running back. Has an okay, uh, okay year as well. He hasn't got as many carries, but they're all three of the running backs are different. Kiner's a guy that can break tackles and uh, not going to take one sixty yards to the house. Miles Montgomery is a guy that could take one sixty to the house. Ryan Montgomery, no relation in those two, but same last name, uh, can get the ball to the edge. Plus, is a better receiver. So they 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 bring a combination of different skill sets to the running back position, and then Emory Jones. Is a guy that can take the, you know, the called quarterback run, or can scramble and can can use his legs to buy a little time, but also get a few yards. Moving over to the defense, you know how they played this year. What do they do schematically, and what have you seen from them? Yeah, they came in with a very highly touted um, defensive line. Number one, uh, Dante Corleone, who was a freshman All American last year, came in as a a preseason All-American this year, but he has support around him at the D-line. Eric Phillips, who's a fourth-year guy, and then a guy uh, by the name of Jawan Briggs, who's a local kid as well that has been here three years now but was a transfer back before all the portal stuff kicked in full full speed uh, from Virginia. And um, so those first three guys are really, really good. I, in, in, but they also got a no, lot of notoriety this year and teams have really, really uh, ganged up on him. A lot of double teams, particularly on Corleone. And so his numbers are a little bit down, although he's still a force to be reckoned with. The second-level guys, their linebackers, are good. They're not, uh, they're not extremely deep there. Um, they're not, uh, none of them are burners, and none of them are overly big, but they, they're efficient. Secondary's probably been the weakest area. Um, they, you know, they missed some tackles. They early in the year, they gave up, um, a couple of long pass plays, particularly one corner, uh, who is not playing right now. He's kind of been moved out of that position. He gave up a number of different deep balls. And in some of those games as well, was hit with a series of, uh, defensive pass interferences. So they, they're going with a, uh, a young freshman named, uh, Kellen Carroll. And he's proved to be very, very good. Now, he's still a freshman, so he's not perfect. But, um, you know, earlier in the year, they were right in the – literally in the, you know, the upper echelon of 
defenses against the run. Uh, but then since Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon ran for a bunch of yards on him, and then uh, West Virginia was able to do that, and UCF was able to get a bunch of yards on him. And they really have had trouble uh, stopping the quarterback runs. Uh, and, and, you know, the running backs, and once that happens, you're focusing on the quarterback and the running backs, <laughs> you know, can hurt you. So sure. the last three weeks, they've given up They've given up a lot of yardage on the ground. Um, so they're, they're good, but they're, they're certainly not great. And I think, you know, I think the one thing that I, one other thing that I've noticed about the big 12 is the depth. And I think that's like all power five conferences, you know, you can go a little bit deeper and that's hurting the Bearcats right now. They're not quite there depth wise as well. You know, we're kind of hitting that time as we head in the last week, everybody's banged up and going through the injuries, you know, how, how is Cincinnati doing on that front? Yeah, all in all, um, you know, they, they've lost a few guys, but nobody critical um, in reference to their offense. What's amazing is they came in talking about depth, which we were a second ago, their offensive line, which they kind of, you know, pasted together here um, through the some, some returning players, some transfers. Um, they were only able to get uh, maybe seven guys that they could – kind of work into the starting rotation throughout the season. They'd love to have, obviously, you know, 9, 10, or, you know, like somebody like an Alabama or an Ohio State would have 15 that they can rotate in. That's not quite the luxury here. And But they've turned out to be a very, very efficient offensive line, and not one of them has missed a game. You know, a few plays here and there, you get, you know, that's – there you you get your leg rolled up on you know you're doing your block and all of a sudden somebody comes in from you know from the right and rolls up on you but nobody has is has a serious injury there and um, they've done very very well um, so all in all they they did lose they lost a corner early in the year uh, for the year but that's really all that they uh, that they they've lost uh, you know yes there's been some guys banged up and have missed a game here and there but but they're pretty much at full strength, not to say that uh, when I say full strength, meaning that they can get out there on the field. That doesn't mean that their bodies are, you know, 100% where they'd like to be. Sure. Well, you got senior day at Nippert Stadium. I mean, tell me what you expect from Cincinnati on Saturday, and how do you see this matchup against the Jayhawks? Well, um, first talk about senior night. It's uh, it's always a big thing, and um you know, it's more so the guys that have been here for five years and in maybe a case or two because of COVID six years. Um, those are the guys that have, you know, the memories uh, that are in the emotions that are going to get to them. Not to say that the guys that transferred in this past year that are in their last year. Sure. You, you, you reflect on, you know, like a guy like Xavier Henderson who played at uh uh, you know, a couple of different schools. He's he's going to go back and reflect and and think about you know his his days, and that's kind of what it is. I know the emotions I went through my last game, but you, once you know, once the whistle blows and the ball's kicked off, you forget about all of that. And nip at night, or the, that's what they call nippered at night, is a uh, pretty special thing. I know you guys uh, in Kansas. It, it I can remember years ago when we were there. You know, it, it was a little rough for the home team. Um, I don't necessarily mean, you know, wins and losses wise, but crowd wise. And, and, and Cincinnati had that in the past as well. But right now um, they've been they've done a really, really good job. And winning cures a lot of that where they've been able to, you know, put in 
capacity crowds for 16, 17, 18 games in a row at home. Um, so that will help. I don't know that they'll have it this week. There's a lot going on with Thanksgiving weekend, not to mention, you know, the record's not great. So that doesn't help you by any means. But it still should be a fun night. And in the Nippert Stadium is, um, is a little tougher to play at night than it is during the day. And uh, I was a bit surprised when this game came out to be a night game. Um, but at the same time, it does give these seniors a good way to go out and gives them a chance to win the game. As far as the matchup, yeah, you know, I looked down, I looked down, you know, the Kansas stat sheet, and the first thing that pops out to me is Devin Neal. And it just seems to be a continuation of what we've seen the last three, the last three weeks. And if they are able to stop him and slow things down, and, and I know he's, I know it's not a one-dimensional team by any means, um, but if they're able to stop him and, and slow him down a little bit, and, and, you know, and, and, and make Kansas use the uh, the pass a little bit more, it gives them at least a fighting chance. And last but not least, on um, I, I looked at um, and I've, I've watched Kansas a couple of times when I've had a chance this year. What a solid defense. And I think that's even maybe even a bigger problem for the Bearcats. Can they score, you know, let's just say 24 points, because I think that's where they need to be in order to be able in the, able to be in this game. And I'm not saying that'll even win it for them, but I think that's where they need to be. And they've been having trouble scoring uh, recently. Um, they, it, 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 it's one of those things where they've had 95, 97, 92 yard drives. Uh, for touchdowns, but then they've had other ones where when you have those kind of drives and they're 14, 15 plays and you throw in there what I had said kind of at the outset here that they seem to make one mistake somewhere along the way. Well, one of those 14 plays or 15 plays is, is enough to stop you on a drive like that. So um, they, they've got to play mistake free. They've got to slow down Devin Neal. And uh, they've got to score, you know, at least three touchdowns and probably more and, and able to be uh, to be in this football game. That is Jim Kelly. He does a great job as the color analyst for the Cincinnati football team. Hey, Jim, thank you very much for joining us and have a happy Thanksgiving. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. That was Jim Kelly, the longtime voice of the Bearcats and just tremendous insight there in the program that he covers and what we can expect from Cincinnati on Saturday. Kirby, what do you see when you look ahead to this game? I know you've watched Cincinnati several times. How do you see Kansas matching up in this game? Yeah, Randy, I have watched them. And, you know, I've, I've put it on the message board several times. That I don't know why I've watched them. I've just happened to be sitting around. <laughs> you know, I've, I, there was there nothing was, else on TV. Guess I watched Cincinnati. Well, I think it was their, their one of their early games. They they played Pitt, and I don't remember if that was like a Thursday or a Friday night game, but I remember watching that whole game. And, you know, that's before we knew that Pitt was going to struggle. But, I mean, I watched Cincinnati just line up and physically pound Pitt, and I'm going, man. These guys are really good. They're physical. And then I think one of the next times I watched them, they're playing BYU. And mm -hmm. they, they hold BYU to 60 yards of offense. This is at BYU. This is when Slovis was the quarterback for BYU. And then, like, the last 40 seconds of the half, they had, like, two breakdowns in the secondary. And BYU goes down and scores. And, I mean, 
Cincinnati had just lined up and just neutralized BYU that whole time. It was just right after KU played them. And I, I'm thinking, God, you know, this Cincinnati team has players everywhere. Then I, I saw them play Houston. And I watched him go down there and just shut down Houston's offense, which, you know, has given some people some trouble here and there. I mean, they, they gave Texas trouble. So, I mean, you know, I, I watched Cincinnati. I went back and watched plays. They held OU to 20 points. So, I mean, they present some challenges. Um, they're physical. They can run the football. Uh, the quarterback, Jones, he, he can do some things with his feet. Their running back, Kiner, he's, you know, he's 60 yards away from a 1,000-yard season. He was Mr. Football in Ohio. He he's he's really good. So I mean, they present some challenges. I, I don't know that they throw the ball very well. Moving over to defense, you know, you just heard Jim Kelly talk about Corleone. He's their nose tackle. He's as good as nose tackle as KU's gonna see. I mean, he's really good. You know, Cincinnati is going to be ready to play. There's mm-hmm. no bowl game for them. It's senior night. But I gotta tell you, the one thing about Cincinnati. Every time I watch them, it, I don't know if it's undisciplined. I don't know if it's bad luck, but these things happen to them. I, and I'm telling you, it's like bad luck. I watched, let's see, they, they lost to Baylor by like three. They lost to Central Florida by two. I mean, they've been in some games, but man, just when you watch them and you think things are going well and they're putting things together, they'll fumble something. Just when they get a stop, they'll have a late hit on the quarterback and extended drive for the opposing team. I'm telling you, they're snake bit. I mean, I've watched them, and they, they, it seems like just things happen at the wrong time. And because of that, I think, all right, Kodal Mickey is going to scheme up something like he did against Kansas State. Listen, he came out, he came out and out-schemed Kansas State, all right? The, the, the defensive coordinator from Kansas State really didn't have a lot of answers. I mean, they ran up in the Wildcat. They lined up in the option. They were they were really hitting Kansas State to the perimeter with the run game that I hadn't yes. seen. I haven't seen a lot of teams do that. So I think Kotelnicki will have something. Kansas is the better team, but they are coming off two emotional losses at home, and that is a concern, okay? The kids have to get up. And, you know, I asked Brian Borland, about that, about, you know, coming off two emotional losses. And he said, you know, I don't see it as a problem. He goes, but I'm not an 18, 19 year old playing. And, you know, the Jayhawks left a lot out on the field against Kansas State on senior night. So, but I go back, I go back to this. I think Cincinnati will come out. I think they'll play hard. I think they'll give Kansas some fits, show fight early. But again, they've made mistakes. And I'm, I'm, Banking on Kansas being the better football team, playing the solid game, getting away from those mistakes that hurt him the previous week against Kansas State. This is not going to look like a seven and four team against a three and eight team. I really believe that. I think Cincinnati could make this game a slugfest. So I just think KU wins this game. I think they're more solid. I think they end up finding a way to maybe to pull away late. I'm going Jayhawks 34, Cincinnati 24. Give me yours. Whew. Um, gosh, again, we're close. I'm going to call this Kansas 35-21. Um, I, I see K, KU 
kind of like you said, getting into a slugfest with Cincinnati. One, you mentioned the games that you watched the Bearcats play this year. I go back to their matchup early in the year against Oklahoma when in Cincinnati they were giving the Sooners absolute hell. They gave them everything they could handle, were matching them physically step for step, shutting down much of Oklahoma, what Oklahoma wanted to do on offense early in that game. That is exactly the kind of fire that I expect to see from Cincinnati on Saturday. Like you said, they have nothing to play for at this point other than to close the season out on a, on a high note after what has been a disappointing opening year for them in the Big 12. I see them coming out with a lot of fire, a lot of passion with it being the end of the year. It's going to be a situation where KU, I expect them to come out and run the ball, establish the run, get into a rhythm, and and just kind of grind Cincinnati down. There will be one or two turnovers, as we've seen our defense be able to force over the last several weeks. Uh, I, I see them turning the game with maybe a defensive score and then finishing things out with a strong performance from Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw. That's the way I see this one happening. Um, You know, I, I, that said, reminding everybody, I was way off on my expectations for the KU state game. So remember the people in Vegas are the ones that know things about this, as opposed to people like me that are on a podcast, even though I am on with John Kirby, who knows (laughs) more about this than anybody else who, Hey, you've picked several of them. You picked the Oklahoma game. As everyone has said, you were the guy that said that was going to happen. Stephen St. John is still in awe of the fact that you had that one before anybody else. So got to give credit where credit is due. Hey, listen, and last week I picked Kansas State 31-24, and they won 31-27. And I said going into the game, you know, my my fear in picking that game, I just wasn't set on the information we had at quarterback and listen everybody thought Jason Bean was going to play and what ended up happening Cole Ballard went start to finish so that mm-hmm. it'll it'll be also very interesting I, I I get the feeling we're definitely going to see some Jason Bean on Saturday in what will be his the finale of his college football career before the bowl game, obviously. So yeah, I'm with you. I think we I think we do see Jason Bean on Saturday and I'm excited to see what he can do now fully recovered from the concussion that he sustained the week prior. So now we've previewed the game as we often do, as we typically do at the, towards the end of the podcast, it is time to talk Kansas football recruiting. With that, we welcome two big time guests, two impact recruits that are committed to the Kansas Jayhawks that will become official when they sign their letters of intent in gosh, just a matter of weeks, less than a month now. We're going to hear from, first off, Deshaun Warner, then Damani Maxson about their visits to Lawrence last weekend and their first time seeing the Sunflower Showdown up close. First off, let's hear from Deshaun Warner, who talks with John Kirby right now. All right, we are joined by a guest I know a lot of people want to hear from, Deshaun Warner from Desert Edge High School, who is fresh off his visit to KU, DJ, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. The first question I had for you, I saw the video that was posted outside of this fraternity. I believe it was the Fidel House. This big poster sheet with your name on it. How does that feel to see that? It feels great because I feel like it's a thing that I haven't seen before. 
So for them to do that for me is definitely a special feeling. I saw you down on the field before the game. What, what was it like to walk in the stadium and just see the atmosphere and be back on campus? And what was your take of just being in the stadium? It was great because I seen it. It was packed out. Um, I seen a lot of fans that are in the game. So that's a, that's definitely a special feeling to know that I'm going to be able to be playing in that. And then especially with the new stadium coming up, man, I can't wait for that. All right, what was it like for you to be in? Did some of the fans and the people recognize you? Yeah, um, some some people said came up to me. It was like rock chalk. Um, that's how I was doing. Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely big to know that I'm known already out there. So yeah. All right, this gave you a chance to be back around the program, Coach Peterson, Coach Leipold, Coach Onatolu. What was it like being around? Talk about being around those guys and just kind of building that bond again since you haven't been here since the summer. Um, that was big because it showed me that they still um, treat me the same and they're basically still recruiting me, even though I'm already committed. It feels like they show me how important I am to the program and how much I mean to them in the future. So, yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely a great feeling. All right, I want to ask you, so you went on your official – and then you came back for this. Did you get a chance to see anything different? Was there something you got to see this time around maybe that you didn't see on your official or a, a, a different scenery or something? Yeah, definitely. I would say the um, fans. Um, the You could tell more right now since it's in season and they're playing now, how passionate they are. Um, yeah, that was definitely great to feel the support from the city of Lawrence. All right, so when you come back, you get a chance to see the coaches. You get a chance to see the atmosphere. What, what was it like being around the team and some of the players? Um, it was great. I feel like I fit in well with those guys, and I feel like that me and those guys have bonds. Me and those guys have bonds that I know that will continue when I get out there. So it feels great. They're definitely very welcoming. They treat me like family, like I'm already there. So when you come back and you see everybody – does it kind of just confirm to you that, hey, I made the right decision? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. I would say that the more I go there, the more I feel comfortable and the more I'm sure of my decision, 100%, like going this time. It made me want to look up when signing day is so I can get signed and get um, locked in with those guys for 100%. All right, tell me about Desert Edge. I saw you guys won your first playoff game. It looks like you got a big one this Friday. Tell me about the upcoming game. Yeah, the upcoming game is going to be great. It's going to be a great game, a hard-fought game. Um, I'm going against our Kansas brother commit, um, Carter, over there. So we'll be able to go at it all game. Um, it's going to be a great game. There's the winner of this game goes to the championship. So we're definitely playing for something. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, Deshaun, good luck on Friday night. And always, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I know all the fans wanted to hear from you and how your visit went. Thank you. I appreciate it. Rock talk. That's Deshaun Warner. Now we're going to jump right into John Kirby's conversation with Kansas commit Damani Maxson. Our next guest is Damani Maxson, a four-star safety out of Clear Lake High School. And Damani was back in Lawrence this weekend. Damani, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. You know, we just had Deshaun Warner on. And I know uh, you guys had a chance to hang out with each other. How was that like, hanging out with one of your future teammates? It was great. I got the chance to finally meet him for the first time. And we got the chance to eat uh, before the game. And it was great to catch up with him before the game. 
you know, tell me about being at the game. I know when you came on your official visit in the summer, it was just a standard, you know, couple nights, overnight visits. But now you got to see the game. What was the experience and the atmosphere like in the stadium for you? Oh, it was great. It was great. It was one of the things I wanted to experience most about Kansas football. And finally getting to experience that for the first time was great. Finally get to uh, meet some of the fans and walk down Madison Street and get to see how, how involved all the fans are in, into the game. It, it was a great feeling finally to be able to get there for the uh, atmosphere. You know, you committed in the summer, and you haven't been back on campus, I believe, until now. So what was it like getting back around the coaches and hanging around those guys? It was great finally get to see them again. You know, it's been a while since I've seen them, so it's been a lot of communication over the phone. So um, finally get to see them guys in person, man. It was great finally get to see them. Uh, I miss those guys a lot. I can't wait to finally get up there with them in January. Well, I know uh, Coach Borland, Coach Wallace have been the guys recruiting you. Just tell me about them the relationship you have with them, and what it was like to be around them again. Oh, it's great. Those two are my guys, man. I talk to them every week. I talk to them quite often. And finally get to see them again, man, it was great. I can't wait to finally uh, get up there and finally get coached by them guys. I can't wait for, you know, future experiences and, uh, you know, future memories with them. You know, you're a four-star prospect. You had a lot of schools recruiting you, but you committed to KU early and stayed with them. Tell me about the decision to commit to KU and what were some of the reasons you chose the Jayhawks? Uh, again, Coach Wallace and Coach Borland were a big key factors in my commitment. You know, um, those guys pushed me real hard. And I, I, I like how, how both of them both uh, believe in me. And you know, I didn't get to see that from many other programs. So I, um, I want to continue, continue that and finally get the, uh, get the chance to build this program like it deserves to be. And I can't wait to be a part of it. All right, in about a month, you're going to be signing with the Jayhawks, making yourself an official member of the team, and then I believe you have plans to enroll early. Just tell me about that. Oh, yes, sir, man. I can't wait. It's all coming fast. It's all prep ready, man. I can't wait. Um, it's just it's something I've been waiting for for a while, and um, if I'm coming, I can't wait to finally sign a paper and finally have my name tied to KU. Damani, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast since you came in to visit this week. I know the fans definitely wanted to hear what you had to say, and, and thank you very much for your time. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Kirby, if KU football fans don't know those names, they need to know those are some dudes. Those are some legit cats coming to Lawrence, and they need to be excited about it. Hey, there's no doubt. Those guys are two huge gets, uh, Warner and Maxson. You know, I talked to Deshaun down on the field, and let me tell you something. We we always joke that in recruiting, so much comes down to the eyeball test. I mean, you can mm-hmm. watch film, and you can gauge a kid, what he does. and But when you meet a guy in person, that's where college recruiters really try to, you know, they try to evaluate, hey, what's this guy's body like? How much bigger can he bit? get? What's his frame? You know, things like that. Hey, when you see Deshaun Warner, he looks like the guy who's out playing for the top 10 teams in the country, right? I mean, when, when he walks out of that recruit line and he walks around and you go, whoa, who's that? Oh, that's Deshaun Warner. So, I mean, he looks like you want him to look. Great kid. Hey, how about Damani Maxson saying he's going to enroll early? That, I mean, that's huge. I think, yes. I think that's six guys now who are going to enroll early. So, I mean, that's great for that many kids to come in and get a head start. But those guys are two talented players who are definitely going to make KU much better.
you know, it was a loaded visitor list, not just Damani Maxson and, and uh, goodness gracious, I totally blanked Deshaun Warner. He's going to slap me in the face the first time I meet the guy. Deshaun Warner and Damani Maxson weren't the only people, the only names that were on the sidelines last week for the Sunflower Showdown between KU and K-State. I know you've had a chance to talk with some of the other recruits that were there and give us a feel. What have you been hearing? What are the, I mean, obviously KU lost in heartbreaking fashion, but what are recruits saying about the performance they saw from Lance Leipold's Jayhawks? Yeah. You know, Randy, they did lose, but you know, you always hear the, um, you know, they might, they might've lost the game, but they won the war type thing. Yeah. That's, that's what might've happened here because you had 90 visitors over 300 registered guests there, meaning, you know, parents, brothers, sisters, whatever, that were there with the recruits. Huge yeah. crowd. And it was a great atmosphere. And the recruits have been buzzing about what they saw. I mean, we've posted several updates. I've got some more updates coming that will pro- probably roll out Friday, maybe Saturday morning. Listen, the, the recruits that were there, they love the atmosphere. They're like, that's what I want to play in. But maybe more than anything, I took them what I, I asked a lot of guys, what did you take away from the game? And they all talked about the progress of what Kansas has been able to do in such a short amount of time and how much the program has changed. So Kansas may have lost the game, but they've shown to a lot of recruits and a lot of recruits' parents how much everything has changed in the program. Um, listen, what's coming next, Randy? I mean, honestly, it's the portal season. I mean, KU is yes. pretty much done with the 2024 portion of the high school class unless something comes out of nowhere that they can't pass up. So we're about ready to get into that crazy portal season. I always talk about that. So I'm not sure how many spots KU will have. Right now, I think they're upside down one spot, meaning one player will have to leave to get them back to even based on who we think's leaving the program. And then for them to have two or three spots open in the portal, there's going to have to be like three or four guys say they're leaving. So I don't know, you know, in the past, they've had some portal classes that are seven, eight, nine, ten guys. I don't know if they're going to be able to get there this year based on how many guys need to leave. So that's really the next recruiting season. Um, but fans should be excited about this 2024 class that's expected to sign here in the middle of December and it's a solid high school class. We'll see what they can do in the portal. But the big takeaway, man, is the is the feel that these recruits got from being in Lawrence on Saturday night. It's it's really been interesting to read some of the comments that you've shared. And guys, something that it was somebody that watched Kansas football then had the opportunity, you know, to go to KU. Uh, rent some really nice pads as a walk-on for a few years and has covered this program for a long time. The thing that has surprised me, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, John, so many guys talking about how loud it was, the the atmosphere, how the st- the, the student section, just the, the, the feel from the fans and the noise. Have you heard those kind of comments with the as frequently as you have in the days since the Sunflower Showdown. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I, it's been a long time since I've heard people talk about, you know, a crowd being electric. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I've heard about all of the recruits, you know, saying just what a great atmosphere it was. So that part there, 
especially to a, a kid who's never been to a game, they're like, wow, this is the real deal. And then there's other times there were several recruits that said, hey, I've been to Kansas games and I haven't seen anything like that. So I think what that game shows everybody is the potential of what Kansas can be. That's exciting. And given the fact, again, I feel like we have to keep coming back to this, the fact that this is just the third year under head coach Lance Leipold and and his staff, the turnaround that is happening in front of our eyes as fast as is, this is something that is absolutely unprecedented. And as, as frustrated as I know we all were Saturday night, you've got to be excited about the direction of this program. That will do it for this Black Friday Thanksgiving edition of the Inside Slam. We heard from our man Shea Wildeboer. We recapped the Maui Invitational, talked about the Jayhawks' big win against Tennessee after that disappointing loss to Marquette. We recapped Kansas and Kansas State, the Sunflower Showdown. We previewed the matchup with Cincinnati. We talked recruiting, and we had two huge guests, literally huge human beings. They're going to make a tremendous impact when they sign with the Kansas Jayhawks and here just a few weeks in Deshaun Warner and Damani Maxson. I don't know what else you could want other than, I don't know, maybe some Black Friday shopping that you could do. Don't forget, 75% off your subscription to Jayhawk Slant starting Thursday, Thanksgiving night, running through Sunday. There is no better time, no better deal all year long than you are going to get on your subscription to Jayhawk Slant, access to the Rivals Network, the best coverage of Kansas football and Kansas basketball from John Kirby, from Shea Wildeboer, and you get to hear, you know, occasionally stuff from me on there too. It is the place to be. If you have friends, if you have family, and you're like, man, they're Kansas fans. What can I give them this holiday season? What better gift is there for the Kansas fan in your life, for someone in Jayhawk Nation, than an annual subscription to Jayhawk Slant? They'll love it. You'll love it. You'll be a hero. For my man, Shea Wildeboer, for my good friend, John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slam podcast from JayhawkSlam.com. We will talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from JayhawkSlam.com.